Welcome to the Anthem Podcast. I am Bert Alcorn. This year, as a church community and a podcast community, we are pressing into the goal of orienting our lives around being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing what he would do if he were me by growing to become, and here we go, here's the, here's the phrase we're rallying around, resilient disciples who are a faithful family in the face of cultural coercion, live a vibrant life in the spirit, and are empowered as a courageous missional presence in our world. So each week in January, we are looking at one of those four primary callings, uh, areas of our, of our calling this year. So week one, this is now a couple of weeks ago, was what does it mean to be a resilient disciple? Week two, which was last week, what does it mean to be a faithful family in the face of cultural coercion? And the week we are kicking off this week is what does it mean to live vibrantly in the spirit. So real quick, before we dive into what we got for today, wherever you do get this content, please do subscribe so you don't miss out on an episode, uh, rate or review us in uh, your podcast store, wherever you find this podcast. It's super helpful, means a ton to me if you would do that. And if this content is helpful for you, would you mind sharing it along to a friend or a family member on social media or something like that? I really am grateful and honored when this makes a difference in your life and it tells us we're on the right track, but even more so when you share it with those around you and bring them into our community here. So this week we are rallying around what it means to live vibrantly in the spirit. So in the chaos, confusion, distraction, and disruptions of our current culture, how do we live the life we were meant to live? Or in the language of the Bible, how do we live a life abundant? How, how do we keep in step with the Spirit? How do we grow in maturity? And to use the language of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, how do we live the good life? This week, we are looking at four angles of our everyday life. How can we live vibrantly in four primary angles of our everyday life? Life with God Number one, life with others. Number two, work slash family life and soul care. Those are the four parts, the four angles that we're going to be unpacking uh, this week. In this episode today, we're going to do a little bit of an intro, but we're also going to unpack some of the challenge to this goal and how to cultivate the good life by creating a rule of life. So our area of focus today is life with God. All right, that's our angle today that we are getting at. But before we get there, yesterday, uh, well, I'm recording this on a Monday, so yesterday was Sunday, but earlier this week, what dropped on the podcast earlier this week was really kind of our circling around Galatians 5 uh, and John 10.10, where both Jesus and Paul make these contrasts of two different ways of living. One, according to the spirit, that is freedom, that leads to maturity and growth and, and the life we were intended to live. And one, uh, by the flesh, which leads to death and destruction, which is outside of the way we were created to live. And just kind of looked at that, that kind of simple idea and that simple question of what kind of life do you want to live? What kind of life do you want? And so our, we already did some of that work. So if that's new language to you, go back and check that out. But I'm going to start with the assumption that you um, want to live the life that you want, that you want to live the good life, that there's something in you that is driving you towards health. So how do we get the life we want? That is by this ancient practice of instituting and implementing a rule of life. Now, it's been said that we achieve inner peace when our schedule is aligned with our values. 
So a rule of life is simply a tool to that end. Rather than a rigid legalistic to-do list, it's not what we're talking about. It's this life-giving structure for freedom and growth and joy. A rule of life is a schedule and a set of practices and relational rhythms that help us create space in our very, very full and busy world to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what he did. Or in the words of Jesus in John 10, to live life to the full in his kingdom and in alignment with our deepest passions and priorities. So the rule language may strike you as really strict or binding or uh, like a constraint kind of thing, but it's helpful to know some of the, uh, like the origins of that word rule. And the Latin word we translate rule from was actually originally a word for trellis, like trellis in a vineyard, right? In the same way, a vine needs a trellis to lift it off the ground so it can bear the maximum amount of fruit, keep it free of predators and diseases. We need a rule as a kind of support structure to organize our life around abiding in the vine in the language of John chapter 15, kind of as Jesus imagined here. Now, here's, here's the deal. I said this in the Sunday teaching uh, that was out this week, and I'll say it again to you guys. We already have a rule of life. So when we start talking rule of life, when we start talking spiritual disciplines, practices, anything like that, one of the most common pushbacks I get from people in my life, but also just as a pastor, is I don't have time for that. Right? I'm already too busy. My schedule is already too full. Like I'm, I'm already doing all these things. I don't have time for a rule of life. So just in way of some definition here and to maybe just lob a bomb at you, you already have a rule of life. So the argument that you don't have time for a rule of life is a silly one. And it's a uh, like, it's a not, not a great argument because you already have a rule of life. What we're talking about is a rule of life that will actually produce fruit in you. We all already live by a collection of rhythms and routines, conscious or unconscious, deliberate or haphazard. We are all already creatures of habit and liturgy already. It just may not be the one we want or intend. So everything we spend our time doing shapes us in one way or another. Neuroscience confirms what Jesus has taught that our habits, our practices, our relationship have the capacity to change us. And and this can be for the better or it can be for the worse. Our daily actions contribute to the way we either become like Jesus more or less. So what we do on a regular basis is what we become. The things we do do something to us. You already have a rule of life and it's already shaping you. Do you like what it's shaping in you? Do you like the do you like the outcome of your current rule of life? Now, one quick reminder is a good rule of life is a means to an end. Uh, It is not an end itself. So the point is not to read your Bible. The point is to encounter God as you're reading your Bible. The point is not to pray. The point is to encounter God while you pray, et cetera, et cetera. So the end is to actually be with Jesus, become like him, do what he did. Or as Jesus put it, like abide in the vine and bear much fruit. Jesus said the secret to experiencing the life and joy that he has is for us to abide in the vine. But how do we do this? In the day and age of smartphones and news alerts and social media and urban noise and the demands of adulthood and work and kids and all that kind of stuff, the answer from the ancient church is to develop and cultivate a rule of life, not simply live passively with the one that is built for you. So what we are doing today and the rest of this week on this podcast is we're actually going to talk about how to create your own rule of life. Now, I'll, I'll stop right here. We already, um, 
we already did some work here as a church community. We have already kind of laid out a primer rule of life or like a community rule of life. The goal is that you would develop like a personal rule of life to follow the pace and practices of Jesus, things that will bring you close to Jesus, mold you into his image, and do the things that he was doing. Now, we actually started with a baseline primer. So if you are new to a rule of life, I recommend that is the best place to start. You can go learn more about that at, by listening to the sermon from this last week, or you can head to anthemventura.org rule. And we actually give like a little bit of an overview and then eight practices that are good for everybody. There's nothing on there that's not good for anybody, no matter your stage of life, stage of apprenticeship to Jesus, um, anything like that. So no matter where you are at in life, Okay, that is good for you. So whether you're a busy parent with kids that are in school that are now doing homeschooling or remote learning, it's good for you. Whether you're a single person with loads of time on your hand, it's good for you. Whether you've been walking with Jesus for 50 years or five minutes, those things are good for you. There's nothing on this list that isn't good for everyone. So all that to say, as we talk about creating your own rule of life, I'd recommend starting there, okay? Eight practices. If you're not doing any of them, start with one or two, and then just week by week, integrate a few more into your life. So that's where you start, all right? That's where we're starting. But what I wanted to do this week on the pod is actually take four episodes and unpack how you would create your own rule of life in kind of these four big bucket categories. So this is kind of like, what does it mean to level up a little bit on our rule of life? What does it mean to take it to the next step? Maybe you've been practicing your rule of life or you want to like hone and tinker yours a little bit more. Even though we've gave this community primer rule of life already, We've said over and over again, you write a rule of life in pencil, not pen. It's a good working document, kind of like a budget, like a spiritual budget. Like you you have to reevaluate your financial budget when you get a raise or you get laid off or you change jobs or you move houses or you have a baby or you buy a house or whatever. Whenever there's a significant life change uh, with finances, you kind of reevaluate your financial budget. In the same way, the rule of life is kind of like a spiritual budget. You kind of reevaluate uh, when when life changes. So in the same thing, when you change jobs, when you have kids, when your pace of life increases or decreases, whatever it is, it's a good opportunity to reevaluate our, our rule of life. So start with the community rule of life. And then this is how you level up or like tinker with your rule of life is crafting your own. So there is no right way to make a rule of life. There are, however, best practices that would be, we'd all be wise uh, to incorporate at some level, which is what we built in our community rule of life. Like no matter our personality or stage of life, things like morning prayer, Sabbath, church on Sunday, regular rest, hospitality, generosity, gratitude, those are all good no matter your stage of life. But there, there is no one size fits all approach. So do it however you want. This is an opportunity for you to lean into like some creativity here and to uh, go crazy. So we kind of have a template, like a community rule of life baseline, but it really is a suggestion, like a great place to start. Lean into your creativity and craft something for you or your family that will produce good fruit in your life. So a couple of practical tips here. So as we were thinking about creating our own, so moving on from the primer or tinkering with your own rule of life, um, Here's some practical tips to get started. Five practical tips to get started. Then we're going to get into today's focus. So five practical tips to get started. Number one, start small. Right? As with creating any new set of goals, it's tempting to overreach and attempt to 
live like a monk on day one, right? And to, to, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I get like this where I just get like all fired up and, and whether it's the symmetry of the new year or the aesthetic of new patterns or whatever, I just kind of get fired up and want to like go from zero to a hundred. And that always ends really badly for me. So that is a strategy that's bound to fail. Start where you are, not where you feel like you should be. This is where a moment of like self-introspection and just brutal honesty. Start where you are, not where you want to be. Don't start aspirational. Start really realistically. Unrealistic goals just leave us discouraged and disillusioned, right? And so if you commit to, you know, 8, 10, 15 new practices that all demand many hours from you and you get one weekend and you can't pull off, you get discouraged, you get disillusioned. And I do not want you to start that way. I want you to start with these little wins, these little victories as you are seeing the fruit and you just kind of keep building on that momentum. So doable, enjoyable goals move us forward in spiritual formation. They don't leave us feeling stuck. Number two, so number one is start small. Number two, be specific. Okay, if you look at our community rule of life, you'll notice um, that one of them is not read the Bible more, but it's Bible before phone. It's not get healthier, but it's exercise or go for a walk. It's not like, oh, have some Christian friends or make sure you're in community. It's no, no, no. It's practice regular Sabbath and church on Sundays. They're specific. So in your journey, look for practices that are practical, that are concrete and embodied, not vague and ideological. So example, Sabbath and church on Sundays, not rest more or be more relaxed, right? It's one thing to say you want to spend less time on your phone. It's another thing altogether to establish rhythms for how we do it, okay? So be specific. So number one, start small. Number two, be specific. Number three, consider your personality, season of life, and stage of discipleship, right? If you have little kids, start really small, okay? Go really, really easy on yourself. If you haven't already, pick up a copy of Domestic Monastery by Ronald Rollheiser. Read it. It is so freeing. It is so breathe the life and grace of Jesus into parenting, especially small kids. So go easy on yourself. Remember that children can be sort of like those monastic bells and remind you that your time is not your own and shape you into a person of love. So if you're new to following Jesus and just beginning to learn about practices like silence and solitude or Sabbath or generosity, don't don't feel like you need to copy someone else who's 20 years down the road or anything like that. Just take the next step in your journey. So number one, start small. Number two, be specific. Number three, consider your personality, season of life, and stage of discipleship. Number four, keep a healthy balance of structure and spontaneity. Okay, don't let your rule or your trellis become so rigid, boring, legalistic, or a dull obligation that it's just like, it's just like such a drain on you. Don't let it override the Spirit's frequently unscheduled interruptions in our days. A good rule should feel like freedom, not slavery, okay? So once again, we're thinking rule is a trellis that helps you grow. It's not a prison cell that keeps you locked in. Okay, so number one, start small. Number two, be specific. Number three, consider your personality, season of life, stage of discipleship. Number four, keep a healthy balance of structure and spontaneity. And five, the practical tips to get started with your own rule of life. Number five, remember that a good rule is like a working document. So like us, it's dynamic, not static. It's, it's a bit of a moving target. 
So we have to regularly review our rule and make sure it's still bringing us life with God and others. So like that financial budget, okay, this is what we talk about when we talk about a spiritual budget. It's a a working document, and we need to make sure that that rule is bringing us life with God and with others. So that's all some preamble to get to where we're at today. I'm sure on the next couple of uh, podcasts, I'll maybe give like a little bit of a teaser intro, but I wanted to give that extended intro as we think about what it means to craft our own rule of life. And we're going to look at four angles of our everyday life. Today's focus is life with God. How do we build in some practices Uh, as we think about our life with God. And so for each one of these angles, I'm going to give kind of three subcategories for you to consider. Once again, this is kind of all in the uh, uh, kind of the overall umbrella of like how to create your own rule of life. So once again, if you're just getting started to want a primer, head to anthemventure.org slash rule. Check out our community rule of life as a primer. Uh, This is for taking it to the next level or tinkering with your own or really just trying to make sure that our rule of life has a holistic side to it. So it's not all just like praying silence and solitude, but there are actions that um, and practices that help us engage with others and engage with our own soul and all of that. So today's focus is life with God and sort of three sub-focuses or three sub-categories are prayer, scripture, and worship. Prayer, scripture, and worship. So once again, Uh, I'm not going to tell you what practice you should do, just more say, like, as you're building out your own, what are some practices where you can make sure that kind of every base is covered? So the first one is prayer. Prayer is at the center of a life with God. We integrate regular moments of prayer in pursuit of his presence. So prayer is this deeply transformational discipline that brings us to the presence of God. We do not approach prayer as a way to get what we want, like a grocery list. The primary purpose of prayer is to be formed by God in his presence. This act of discipleship reorders our rhythms towards being in the presence of the God of the universe. So it's this robust practice that can be explored in so many different ways. It's not a rigid practice that limits our freedom. It is, there's so many ways to express this, this practice of prayer. It's so a living a life of prayer and communion with God means abiding in his love and his presence listening for how God speaks to you and and inviting you to obey, contending for the needs and the renewal of our community, our city, our world. So as we think about what it means to build in practices and rhythms of prayer, how will you spend this portion of your day? What does it look like to build in rhythms of prayer? What are those practices? What are those practices? Is it just a moment of quiet reflecting on Psalm 23 or the Lord's Prayer or just simply like a centering prayer in the morning and a reflective prayer in the evening? Just what are those moments in your life? What are those regular practices of prayer that you are building in? Number two is Scripture. The Scriptures root us in God's story. So to properly align ourselves with His story, we got to know how to read the Bible. So the Bible is actually a library of books. We've said this over and over again, and the Bible Project is so helpful in this kind of understanding. The Bible is a library of books that were written to a specific group of people located in a specific place and a specific time. And we believe that the scriptures all point to Jesus as the climax of God's story. So we as modern day apprentices commit ourselves to being rooted in the scriptures because it has the power to form us as disciples of Jesus. So we long to be people who have have soaked in the words of scripture, so rooted in the story of God that we know where our story fits in with the story of God. 
So when will you read and meditate on the Bible in order to orient your mind, your heart, uh, around living the story of God's goodness and faithfulness? Once again, the point of not reading the Bible is that you read the Bible. The point is that you are formed, that you are close to God, that you are growing in the story of God. So a really practical next step, I know I said I wouldn't tell you exactly what practices you should do, but a really practical next step is um, start a Bible reading plan. Chances are, I, I know that sounds like very 80s Christian of me to say, or like overly rigid or something like that, but honestly, most Christians don't actually read the Bible, um, especially Christians in the West. I'll say most Christians in the West don't actually read the Bible. You don't actually know what's in the Bible. Uh, so a good start is just like a, a plan. How are you going to do it? Now, we as a church community are reading through the Bible in, in one year, which is a beautiful way to get kind of this huge overview of the story of God. But there are other Bible reading plans. You can create your own. Honestly, just read through the book of John, read through Ephesians or Colossians, or read through the whole New Testament, or read through the whole Bible. Uh, my Bible reading plan last year, it was kind of rooted on, I'd read five Psalms and one proverb every single day and uh, and then be working through a different book. So whether, and I'd be working through kind of one Old Testament narrative and one New Testament book uh, to be just shaping and forming uh, me. So start somewhere, start with some kind of plan to read and meditate on scripture this year. And I will say, if you want to join our Bible reading plan, you can head to our app uh, and join it there. Uh, it's not too late to join us. So even if you're, you know, you know, we're about to round out January and looking towards February, it's not too late to jump on. You can either start from the beginning or just start on whatever day we are on today, and you can read the Bible with us in community. Number three, one was prayer, two was scripture. Number three is worship. Disciples are invited to worship with their whole lives. That's Romans 12 coming alive with our whole lives. So we reorient our hearts, minds, and schedule to proclaim the goodness of our King Jesus. Let me tell you, it has never been easier to attend church, and it has never been harder to attend church during COVID. Some of you have made this a top priority to make, to prioritize the worship of Jesus in your life. And some of you have failed abysmally at this this year. And you can chalk it up to Zoom fatigue and online church. You can chalk it up to whatever. Fill in the blank for your excuses. But as a disciple, you are invited into prioritizing the worship of Jesus on a regular basis. So worship simply means to declare or attribute worth to something. Our culture is teaching us to worship all kinds of somethings, brands, success, sexuality, celebrity, technology, all kinds of things. There's a missiologist and, and writer, Alan Hirsch. He writes this, quote, everyone has a God in the sense that everyone puts something first in one's life, money, power, prestige, self, career, love, and so forth. There must be something in your life that operates as your sources of meaning and strength, something that you regard, at least implicitly, as the supreme power of your life, end quote. So though those things I listed off are often good things, they will um, distort and disappoint us if we make them the center of our heart. Tim Keller frequently talks about idols, and he said, idol is any good thing that becomes a God thing. Right, so any good thing, any common grace thing uh, that becomes the center or the king of our life becomes an idol. 
They're inadequate to satisfy the core longings of the human heart. Only God can do that. So as we think about worship, our our vision, our heartbeat is to see God for who he is and respond with gratitude and wonder and thanksgiving and awe. And uh, we believe this kind of position will rightly reorder our hearts, our minds, our affections, and our imagination around God's goodness and grace. So we do this through the weaving of word and worship together on a Sunday, creating space for reflection, celebration, praise, by retelling the good news of the rescuing love of God expressed through Jesus Christ, all in our gatherings. So rather than a focus on style or preference, we we utilize scripture, stories, songs, sacraments to form us into the kind of people God has called us to be, and ultimately to shift our eyes off ourselves and on to Jesus. So, How will you prioritize your day or your week or both to worship God with gratitude and remember the moments of God's nearness and blessing during your day? What does it look like to prioritize the worship of Jesus in your life? So that's three starter categories within this broader category of life with God. Prayer, scripture, worship. How are you integrating those things in a daily and a weekly basis into your life? Transformation is possible, it's promised, it's expected in Scripture, but it is not inevitable. Jesus' work opens the door to real transformation in our lives through the Spirit. So we engage with the Holy Spirit in our lives to become more like Him. Paul says in Romans chapter 8 that for those He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers So as followers of Jesus, we have been predestined to become like Jesus. Will we embrace it or resist it? It's possible, it's promised, it's expected, but it is not inevitable. It takes participation and intentionality. The life Jesus invites us into is not saying yes to Jesus for heaven and no to Jesus for the rest of our lives. It is a life of constantly growing, being filled, maturing, and becoming like Jesus. It's a life beholding the glory of God and being transformed in the same image from one degree of glory to another. It's a life of not being conformed to this world, but being transformed into the likeness and image of Jesus. Okay, I've got a book recommendation for you. Uh, Each one of these episodes this week is going to end with a bit of a book recommendation if you want to go further. So uh, your book recommendation for today is The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. Uh, John Mark is a pastor, writer, speaker up in Portland, and through some friends of friends, we are connected to him. Love Bridgetown's story, love his story, have been so thankful for the hard work and labor he has put into the area of spiritual formation here. Uh, This book is all around how to stay emotionally healthy and spiritually alive in the chaos of the modern world. And so highly, highly recommend that book. Uh, Grab it on Kindle, grab the audio book, grab the hardcover. If you've not read uh, anything around spiritual formation before, or if you've not read that book before, I just highly, highly recommend it. Uh, So go pick up The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Thanks again for listening to the Anthem Podcast. I hope you're enjoying uh, the journey that we're on together, and I hope it's stirring and encouraging and challenging you as you're growing to become a resilient disciple who is faithful in the face of cultural coercion, lives a vibrant life in the spirit, and is empowered as a courageous missional presence in your world. 
On the next episode, we're going to be diving into some practices and some areas and what it looks like to grow in our life with others, so community in our life with others. If you did enjoy this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, leave a rating, leave a review. That's super helpful as the podcast is growing and developing. Love you all. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.